Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners. Thank you very much for joining me once again. It's great to have you along talking all things HR. And today we're talking a specific niche within the HR technology space, which is digital option platforms. But even more specifically than that, I'm talking to uh, Raj Sundarasan, who is the Regional Vice President and Chief Evangelist of WalkMe. Raj, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you, Chris? Not too bad. Not too bad. Raj has been on the show before, but since we had him on all oh, about a year ago, you've written a book. I have indeed. I have spent some time pulling some thoughts together and it's now in the form of an actual book. Yes. Yeah. So it's in a book and we'll explain at the end where you can get access to that book. But it's called The DAP Strategy, A New Way of Working to De-Risk and Accelerate Your Digital Transformation. I wanted to just take maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes with you today, just to have a chat about it, actually, because I think it's a it's an interesting book. And particularly as we've been speaking, obviously, Raj, you and I have done a podcast before and the DAP space has, has grown quite significantly, certainly over the last probably three, two, three years at least, it's really shot up in terms of the awareness and the usage and the adoption of DAP platforms. So I wanted to delve into this book and and just pick your thoughts because you make some interesting predictions in the book and there's some some interesting sort of angles that you take. But before we go into specifics on that, let's get a little bit of a, a background check on yourself. So can you just explain to those listeners that listening to our podcast who perhaps haven't haven't heard the, the first one that we did a while back? And I might put a link to that in the show notes as well for people. But can you just explain a little bit about yourself and then also about Walk With Me as well? Excellent. So I, I live in, in Singapore and fell into the HR tech space by accident in 2004, I think it was, where I um, helped ADP launch their business process outsourcing proposition on GlobalView. I was there and did that for six years. And I went to a European provider called Northgate Orinzo. And then at that point was asked by SAP to come and help them think about specialization within their HR software business. After doing that, I think it was towards the tail end of 2015, after integrating the success factors business, I started realizing that, you know, the cloud was really about business outcomes and value realization. And at that point, I started to get a little bit concerned with the fact that we were spending a lot of time on the what and the why. What was I buying? Why was I buying it? Rather than you know being laser focused on how am I leveraging the what and the why in the context of the business problem uh, to drive value realization. So I did something crazy. I went and did a, uh, I went to lead a HR transformation program myself. And it wasn't too long before I realized how far out of my depth I was, right? But it was during this time and this learning that it reinforced to me the challenges, the fears, the anxieties, the risk organizations go through when they're thinking about transforming their business. 
Now, through that process, I got to know uh, WalkMe and joined them five years ago. And so I've now spent five years of my life helping to listen to challenges customers had with their, their transformation programs, taking some of that feedback internally so that you know the platform could evolve. And I'm quite proud to to share that you know in June of this year, WalkMe listed on the Nasdaq in the U.S. and I was one of uh, a handful of employees who was actually on the on, on the floor as our co-founders you know rang the bell. So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about the journey I've had, and um, you know how long uh, this we've been focused on this digital adoption space. Yeah, and do you know what's interesting? You were talking about the the what and the why. And one of the quotes, let's get onto the book actually and talk about your inspiration behind the book. Because I read a quote from Professor Ian Harper on the book from Melbourne uh, Business School, who said exactly what you've just said, that what Raj does is he shows that the the what and the why of digital transformation is powerless without the how. So can you just elaborate on your inspiration as to why you wanted to write the book? And (laughs) I guess what underpins that as you've just uh, highlighted, and obviously what Ian highlights as well, is that how, isn't it? Yeah, I think there were there were three there were three real reasons that you know when they came together compelled me to write the book. I think the first was, you know, with all the work that I was doing with customers and their employees, I could see how work became more complex, how it became more mundane, how people were less enthused with what was going on, and then you know. If you fast forward, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. When we see what's happening with the great resignation, we suddenly realized there was a big challenge on our hands. I think the first one was, you know, I could see the pressure and the challenges that it was putting on um, employees. The second thing was, you know, we started to see really, really good examples of how a digital adoption platform was helping organizations, helping their users simplify their daily lives and impact them. So, you know, on the one side, I saw the problem, the other side, I saw the solution. And then I think what brought it all together was during the last 18 months, I felt the need to step outside of my comfort zone a little bit. And, you know, one of the things to do was, hey, let's write a book. And, you know, it sounded like a good idea at the time, but it was fairly confrontational when someone says, so you're really gonna do this. And when I have a challenge in front of me, I don't typically walk away and, you know, the three things coming together, um, I'm pleased to say have resulted in this passion project, which is now out there. And, you know, I think last count, it's been delivered to 28 cities around the world, which is, oh, wow, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So one of the things I wanted to actually ask you, actually, actually two things. The first one is, this is really interesting for somebody that works for a digital adoption platform and has written a book about digital adoption platforms, one of the things that you do say is that you know, DAPs in themselves aren't enough. Can you just kind of expand on that a little bit for me? Okay, so I think there are two layers to this. I think the first thing is not all digital adoption platforms are created equal. And that's not, a, that's, that, that's not an indictment on any other provider out there. It's a question of what problems you're trying to solve, right? That's the first thing. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I, I was in Tokyo uh, trying to get to uh, a customer's new office, which had been built in a new area. And I'm not sure if you've been to Tokyo before, but all the taxis actually have a GPS inbuilt. 
So the driver punches in wherever he needs to go to and he starts driving. And so the taxi driver was driving and we just started going in circles. I knew we were going in circles because, you know, things look familiar. And then he pulled her to the side and, you know, sign language came and, you know, kind of said, you know, I don't know, don't, I can't quite figure out where we are. So what did he do? He took out a physical map. So, and, you know, I mean, if you're living in London, the, you know, the, the quintessential A to Z, right? And he started looking through that. And that was the traditional GPS. And he couldn't find where we were going. Now, directionally, we were pretty close to where we needed to be. So what did I do? Right. I took out my phone. I opened up Waze, keyed in where we wanted to go. We were two left turns and a right away. And there you go. Now, there you had three generations. You had a map, a physical map. Then you had, you know, generation one of a GPS. And then, you know, I had Waze. And so, you know, it's really a question of what is the problem you're trying to solve? I think that's the first layer. I think the the second layer around what else do you need is the platform is great, right? But ultimately, what you really need to to, to have are different ingredients so you can leverage the platform. You know, you can have the data, you can have the insights. But if you don't have brave leadership that's willing to look at the insights, and confront what it's presenting to you, then you don't have a chance. So the first thing is you need brave leadership who are prepared to pivot from the direction which they're heading based on data. I think that's number one. I think the second thing is you need to have internal capability to leverage the platform. You know, uh, there are a lot of organizations that say, okay, I bought the software, so the software is the solution to the problem. That itself is not the answer. The, you know, the, the reason why we're in this problem is because we took software as being the solution to the problem rather than an enabler to being a, a solution to the problem. So I think you need to have internal capability who can then leverage the insights, leverage the analytics, and then start building intervention events and experiences that counter. And I'll give you some examples in a moment. Yeah. And then the third thing, I think you need to understand where your true north is. So you need a value framework. So you need to be able to understand, hey, what are we trying to solve for? So if you think about it, right, and I do this I do this all the time when I go and see customers, right, and say, okay, we need your help, we need to solve this problem. And I say, great, what's the problem? So quickly do they run to, oh, we have an onboarding problem or we have an adoption problem. And I said, well, no, that's the that's the product of where you're at. But what are you really trying to solve for? Because most people don't understand what that strategic corporate objective is that they started off in the first instance, mm. and then what operational and financial levers they were trying to impact, right? And then as a result of all of that, you have a, bit, a benefits case to buy technology. Now everybody's kind of stuck in, oh, I've got to fix the technology piece. Well, no, you've got to really think about what is that problem. And that value framework helps guide you through that piece. So I think having the right digital adoption platform for your business is key. I think it's important to have leadership that's brave enough to deal with how confronting some of the insights may be and be able to pivot. I think you need to have internal capabilities so you can build experiences at will to then redirect the, the trajectory in which you're going. 
And then finally, making sure you're building it in the context of the value framework so you have a true north. So hopefully that gives you a flavor of why I say it's not just the platform, right? You know, someone said to me, can you, can you distill it down even further for me? I said, okay, let's take a car analogy. Let's say, you know, you've got the best product, the best car. And, you know, you go out and you go and buy or, or acquire the best team around you. So the best people. I, I look at the digital adoption platform akin to the fuel that goes into the car. Because if you have no fuel in the car, it doesn't matter if you hit the ignition. It's not going anywhere. Right. And that's really what I think it's about. Now, when I when I look at, you know, I give you a couple of examples. So quite a few. OK, let's pick this one. So when when, when, when we were hit with this terrible uh, pandemic. Um, there was a company in North America, they were a mindfulness company, uh, and they realized that no one was going to be able to get to any of their facilities. Uh, and so instead of waiting because of lockdowns for the avalanche of uh, support calls coming through, talking about billing and everything else, what they did was they went out and they built uh, some content so that when people landed on the website and said, listen, we understand the situation. Uh, you don't need to call us. What we've done is we've extended the term of your contract by an additional month at no additional cost. Right. So they pushed that out because they knew people were calling for that information. Well, just by doing that, they deflected close to 25,000 inquiries around that. Now, do the math around all of that, right? Cashable benefit, et cetera, average handling time. That's pretty profound. Mm -hmm. We had another customer out in Australia and they, you know, the support ticket guys suddenly saw uh, a real big increase in, you know, questions around COVID and what do they do? And they were, they, they were in an ex in explosives business. So they were people in mines and everywhere. So very, very spread out. And, you know, what the head of L&D did was he rolled out of bed, got a sense of what the tickets were, and in 10 minutes leveraged the, uh, what I would call the templates that were available, right, in, the, in our digital adoption platform, started building out content, which said, hey, which was then put on their internet portal saying, hey, if you have questions around COVID, click here, it will take you directly to our SharePoint where you'll understand our position, and if you want to understand a third party's position, click here, it'll take you to the, the WHO website. So we get rid of all the fake news, right? Mm. Now, what he did that in 10 minutes. So when you're able to do that, you all of a sudden take pressure off the HR departments, the line managers, the support infrastructure and everything else. And all of a sudden what you start to do, you start to be able to disseminate proper information very, very quickly and you're not relying on people looking at email. So two very simple examples around you know, what that looks like. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And the words that you struck out there earlier on in your examples, you were talking about brave leadership. I think that's really resonated to me just there as you were as you were just explaining those examples and then before that because it is people it's organizations that have been brave and said actually how do how are we going to uh, support our people to support our customers what technology can we implement but dialing it back from that what's the problem that we're going to solve and let's move on on the book you actually talk about predictions here and I wanted to ask you about some of these predictions because 
it's it's quite nice actually to read somebody saying, do you know what? I think this is going to happen at, at this time because you you have actually you've literally timestamped it, which I think is is really good as well in the book. So uh, people can can obviously see the detail in the book itself if they buy the book. But just before we talk about some of the specific predictions, do you think that uh, the pandemic has actually accelerated some of the predictions that you've even made here? Do you think that because people have been forced into these digital transformations, journeys that they're going on to, the pandemic will, will have had a knock-on effect, whereas some organisations, Brave Leadership, they're having to say, right, we're going to have to, we, we weren't sure about implementing this tech before, or we weren't sure about what we were going to do, but now we're just being forced into it and, and we're going to deliver on it. Do you think the pandemic is accelerating some of what you've predicted there? I think the pandemic helped to accelerate some of it, but I think what the pandemic did was put a spotlight on how challenging and how complex work was internally for a lot of organizations and a lot of people. I think uh, what is happening in the United States with, whether you call it the great attrition, the great resignation, the great recalibration, is that you're starting to see that, you know, People are struggling with the complexity of work. And so I think when, you know, we look at digital adoption platforms, people are starting to say, hey, I've been trying to solve this problem, you know, using a 20, 20th century mindset, but we really need to start embracing this and realizing this is a 21st century challenge. And to try and solve it with a 20th century mindset is just going, you know, we're not going to get to where we need to get to. You know, one of the more controversial things I will put out there is, you know, I talked about brave leadership. I mentioned brave leadership is, you know, the number of transformation programs that I go to and I see it helmed by a digital migrant opposed to a digital native, mm. right? And I asked myself, I said, what does a digital, how will a digital migrant understand what a digital native wants? And so what I'm challenging a lot of my customers to rethink is how they, you know, how, how they, how they, how they build their teams. And maybe it isn't that you have a digital native run everything, but certainly you need that voice at the center of all of that, because what you're doing is building user experiences that are designed for a range of demographics. And, you know, if we don't know what we're solving for, how are we going to solve for it? So I think that's probably, you know, one of the more controversial things that, you know, I, I put out there. But when we come to the predictions, there are, I think, how many are there? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, I think there's seven or eight. Uh, 2027. So you're predicting a fair old few years ahead. I'm going all the way up to 2027, but it's quite funny that, you know, maybe maybe I was a bit slow because the one that sticks out for most and a, a lot of people is 2025. 2025 sticks out for a lot of people. I just I've got the book in front of me because yeah. you know I I still I, I'm still amazed that this came from some of my my meshings over over probably a glass of wine one evening. But what I said was <laughs> what I say here is a digital adoption strategy becomes a core talent acquisition strategy. Digital employee experience becomes a top five question on a candidate's decision criteria, not an employee's, a candidate's 
sorry, not an employer's, but a candidate's decision criteria on whether to join the organization. Companies that do not have a legitimate answer will not merely struggle with first day churn of new hires, but will struggle to attract the right talent and skills because people will simply not want to come to work and put up with the complexity of work. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I think that's resonated with a lot of people. And I think that goes also, you know, in a way it, it helped me, I don't know, reinforce why I wrote the book. Now, maybe I, I, I'll share with you another example. And this one is a bit more public Thanks. because they, they went on record and it's in a podcast out there. So we do some work with um, with Standard Chartered Bank, and they came to us, and you know they've got us deployed across their HR tech stack. And what they said was, "Look, we're trying to get as much alignment through the organization. Okay, now, to get alignment, obviously goals, performance, compensation, all that's really important. And so what they were trying to do was they were trying to lift." the completion rates of their mid-year review process. And they were in the low teens, to give you a sense, low teens, right? And, you know, we're talking a global organization and they weren't quite sure where they wanted to get to, but they knew low teens wasn't good enough for them. But they also realized that if they were going to raise those numbers, they would have to then rethink or invest significantly around support and training because you're gonna to have to cajole people, you're gonna to have to support them when they don't know what to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they didn't have the funding for it or sufficient budget for it. So how do we how do we do this without driving more cost? On top of that, we then said to them, says, you know, are you interested in people just completing? Or are you interested in them completing accurately? Because then we can put some levels of data validation on top of that. And finally, would you be interested in trying to measure the impact of this content across what you're trying to do? And they say, yeah, cool. So off we went, built some content, quite a bit of content to try and rethink how people went through the journey. The results were quite staggering. Um, they went from the low teens in terms of process completion to 93%, okay? In that process, they did not have to invest significantly in additional headcount for trainers and support mechanisms. What they did was they invested in building what we content internally. And part of what they built were actually overlay of quick reference guide materials at different points of the journey. So if you didn't need it, you didn't need it. But if you did, it was there. That basically was, you know, the, 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 the the support mechanism. So no one had to make a phone call. Nobody had to go to HR to say, hey, what does this mean? And that support collateral, right, was used by 63% of individuals, right? So first of all, you, you can imagine, you build a lot of content, you go and put it in a SharePoint or a wiki, it goes there to die. No one ever sees the light of day. But here, that content's being leveraged. And what we found, or you know, what the data shared was that those who were leveraging Warmi's digital adoption platform in that process completed that media review process a whole 40 minutes faster than those who didn't. Now, to me, that's an extremely powerful use case. Not only do you then, you know, drive better strategic alignment, which was what you wanted to do in the first place, but you're leveraging all the assets that you have and you're just rethinking 
uh, how you're leveraging them. And I think it's a it's a wonderful example. I'm really proud that they're, they're a customer of ours. Yeah, and it's all about that ROI piece, isn't it? So you're obviously making, you make predictions about DAP consultant becoming the new IT role by 2022, which I think is an interesting one. And you talk about DAPs being a budget line organi- a budget line item in organizations. All of that, when you dial it back down to it, you need to have those types of use cases to be able to say, look at the amount of literal man hours that we have saved and when you dial that back down into the money that we've then saved as a business we can evidence our roi which then it's like a natural sort of flow isn't it which then means if we can justify it then if you can justify a saving on something if you can justify roi to the business or or productivity and efficiency savings then yes let's have it as a line item you know let's have specific people whose job it is to see that we can maximize these kind of savings within the business because then we're going to become more productive as an organization as well, won't we? Well, it's driving, and as I said, it's driving those operational and financial metrics that you started off in what, what you wanted to do in, in the first place, right? And it's moving us away from trying to say, hey, I'm trying to make, I don't know, service now better or work day better. Or, no, what I'm trying to do is to allow the organization to get value from those platforms to drive the business. That was the intent of what we yep. were trying to do. You know, you, you talk about the, you know, the, the predictions in terms of the DAP consultant being the new it role, right? I can tell you when, uh, was it last year or the year before, there were there were about 300 jobs on LinkedIn for DAP professionals. They're yep. three, over 3,000 today. And it's going to grow exponentially because the problem that we're solving is so big. What's the problem? Well, the problem is by 2023, 2024, over a billion dollars, sorry, over a trillion dollars is going, this is according to Battery Ventures, right? Uh, Some work they've done. Over a trillion dollars is going to be spent on software, right? Then if you overlay services on top of that, that's going to be another three, four trillion dollars. And all of a sudden now you've got something, you know, the, the size of the GDP of Italy or something even bigger. And if you go back to all the analyst reports, in spite of all this money being spent, people are still not getting the value out of those programs. And now all of a sudden, here, here comes a movement. And believe me, it is a movement because when over 3,000 companies are using a digital adoption platform or you know, tinkering with it to understand what they can do, and all of a sudden you start seeing those cashable benefits appear. Christus Health, right, a faith-based uh, healthcare provider, wanted to put the patient or patient care at the center of their transformation strategy. But when they changed all their applications, their nurses struggled with all the billings and the invoices. And so they you know, got together, built some content together with finance and the L&D team. And guess what? They're driving a million dollars in additional revenue every month, right? Why? Because they've plugged the gap. And in return, the nurses have gone back to look after patients. And this is what it's all about. And, and, and it is about the cashable benefit. And, and that's why, you know, you need a brave leader who's going to say, hey, we've tried this once. We've tried it twice. We've tried it three times. It isn't working. We need to find something different. And the digital adoption platform, is that something different? No, that's absolutely brilliant. So we're just coming towards the end of our podcast. There are lots of bits that we haven't covered but of course that's the reason why you want people to buy the book is there any kind of 
one sort of nugget of information you'd like to leave our listeners with or uh, another question? You can answer either that question or I'll give you the second question as an option to, to answer. Obviously, you go up to 2027. Do you want to just give us an overview of what, what happens in 2027 when you and I are a little bit greyer and, uh, and doing this podcast again, where we're at? <laughs> in 2027, I believe, right, well, let's go 2028 because I had 2027 in the book. 2028, I believe the technology gets to a point where it understands where the friction points are and is able to recommend intervention events. So I think process discovery becomes, you know, becomes mainstream and how it's leveraged becomes mainstream. And, you know, that will really change the face of what we're, what, what, what we're really trying to do. Because when you think about it, right, uh, we've done a really, well, in most cases, we've done a really good job with customer experience. Think about Amazon and all that type of stuff. Right, because you know the implications are huge, right? Revenue, etc. So we focused all of that, all our energies on that, but we hadn't really spent enough time on employee experience. And I think the next two or three years is going to be spent on employee experience. 100%, but the yeah. but the real magic, the real magic comes when you link the two together. So when the customer experience of hey, you know, I've got a credit card that you know I had to block for whatever reasons. Now I want to unblock it. I've gone to the website. I've keyed in my details, and you know now that flows downstream to a support agent. And so you know so much so that the support agent logs on and is greeted with, "Hey, you got these five things you need to do today. This is what this is how you do it. You go through." the systems, clicking whatever you need to do, validating whatever you do. And then all of a sudden it ends with, okay, here's that email that you now need to send back to that customer saying that credit card is now unblocked. Thank you very much. I think, right, that's what 2027, 2028 become, if not sooner. No, that's brilliant. Raj, thank you very much for your time today. It's been fascinating to get a few little nuggets um, from the book. We will put a link to the book in the show notes when we release the podcast, but it can be accessed via Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble. There's a few different places um, that, that people can get access to it. Um, do you just want to let people know where they can find you on, on social media and all of those sort of places? Sure. Thank you for this. And thank you for the opportunity today. Um couple of places. So, um, you know, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm trying to post a bit more. Um, and, you know, you'll see a lot of interesting quotes that come out and from different different users uh, of a DAP. Or you can go to, um, I have a website for the book and it's called DAP Strategist. So DAP Strategist.com. Um, where everything can be found and, you know, drop me a note. Um, there's a uh, if you subscribe, uh, you'll get um, access to an assessment that you can then apply internally to your organization. And if you have some challenges around that, you know, you can set up time with me and I'll be delighted to go through it with you so that you can figure out whether, you know, there is a need for a digital adoption platform in your transformation strategy. No, that's perfect. So that's www.dapstrategist.com. Look Raj up. Give him a follow on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, it's been great to have you on the show as always, Raj. Thank you very much for coming. 
Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate the time and the opportunity. Thank you very much. Um, yes, you can get us on this uh, podcast on uh, um, Apple Podcasts. We're on Alexa through Amazon um, Music. We are also on Spotify, Stitcher, all places you usually get your podcasts. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Um, we will be back next week with another show, as always, on Thursday. Uh, it's been great to have you along for the ride. Thanks very much to my guest, Raj. And we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.